This is K-12 Tech Talk. K-12 Tech Talk. The podcast by K-12 Techs for K-12 Techs. Real conversations, real arguments, and real banter on trending K-12 technology topics and issues. Live from the somethingcool.com studios, this is the K-12 Tech Talk Podcast. I am Josh. With me tonight is Mark, and Eric is filling in for Chris. Say hi, Eric. Hey, yo. So, um, last week, the last two weeks, Chris has been on suspension. We're not, we assume that's still the case this week. Um, Maybe Sue will swing by in a little bit and tell us uh, what is going on. Uh, but it has been a week, guys. How you doing? It's uh, we've got some anniversaries to celebrate tonight, and a few things, a few outages, and some drama to talk about. Anything exciting happen in your neck of the woods this week, guys? No, but are we celebrating anniversaries? Well, it's I not mean... really a celebration of an anniversary. <laughs> it's a recognition. Recognition. Okay, celebrate. You celebrate. It's the same difference, Mark. Okay, sorry. Break sorry. out the thesaurus. <laughs> Come on, man. Um. So yeah, this it, we'll get into this in a little bit, but a little teaser, I guess, for later in the episode. This this week marks the three year anniversary when the world shut down. When um, it was three three years ago yesterday that my district and the other districts in my county uh, created a press release and all announced that we were closing down for three weeks. Um, I'm sure that was pretty much around the state, Eric, out where you are, and around the country, Mark, where you are. Yeah. Um, I think everybody kind of did the same thing within a couple days of each other. So we'll yeah. um, we'll talk about that, kind of that three-year retrospective here in a little bit. But first, uh, my week was rather crazy. My last 10 days have been rather crazy. I have had three major internet outages uh, in the last 10 days. And when I say major, I mean lasting three hours or more. One of them lasted eight hours. One of them lasted four hours. Um, and it was a fiber cut, and the the carrier said that it was due to vandalism. All all three outages were due to vandalism, and the rumor on the street was that one of them was due to a disgruntled employee that was terminated and took it out on the equipment uh, oh. at four o'clock in oh, the morning man. on a Sunday. Chris, oh, was it Chris? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> oh, maybe. <laughs> Interesting. So, so now one of the things that I've been tasked with recently is coming up with a, a redundant or a backup connection. And no, I'm not going to e-rate that. You e-rate cops out there. Um, do you guys have re- Mark? Do you you're with the city though. So, do you guys have a quote unquote backup connection? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a tough question, right? I think there's there's always going to be components that are not fully redundant, and then you have some redundancy. Um, I mean, you know, it, it, I guess the challenge comes with, you know, when, when you have an outage and you have options, the question is if you don't have immediate failover, right. Then at what point do you start to exercise those options and start to cut over traffic to either a redundant or a, or a separate pathway? So, and and you get super complicated, super quick, especially if you try to put in some sort of BGP routing, you know, at the edge where, you're controlling your own BGP routes to where if that auto failover does happen, it just kind of magically works. Um, that's not what we're looking at. I, honestly, I'm looking at, I just had a phone call this afternoon with with a major cell carrier about getting a cradle point and putting it 
in one of my MDFs and and bringing it back to the firewall as, as a kind of spillover type connection. That way, if our fiber connection goes down, it'll it'll just kind of all the critical services will kind of flow over to that other cell service. Um, oh wait, hey, wait, doesn't doesn't one a, of our sponsors have a product for this? Yeah, they do. Fortinet actually, um, they have a Forta extender, not Forta Explorer, Mark. Um, Forta Extender <laughs> that can do the same thing. They will uh, the Forta Extender will take a SIM card and will attach to your network and talk to your Forta Gate firewall and do that SD WAN type communication all magically um, on its own and take care of that for you. So if you are interested in the Forta Extender, talk to uh, or send an email to Fortinet Podcast at fortinet.com so uh they can help you do like some sd win failover uh internet connection stuff oh wait here comes sue yeah yeah sue what do you need oh you got a you got a pound cake okay sue we're trying to record okay we understand he's still on suspension okay all right thanks sue so sue dropped off a uh, pound cake for the green room with her best wishes that she understands that um, our fans, Mark, your mother included, they're worried about Chris. Um, he will be back next week. So um, he will be off suspension. I, but yes, his suspension I really preferred Sue, Sue's lemon, iced lemon pound cake. Yeah. It's, it's really she, her best. She only does those on, on high holidays, you know, like big. Well, tomorrow's St. Patrick's Day, though. She could Tomorrow's St. Patrick's Day. She could yeah. have colored it green. Um <laughs> So, Josh, I have a question about your outage. Yes. So, how localized was it? Was it a, a regional outage? Really good and, and question. Kind of in terms <clears throat> of routing and how that they're getting to you. Um, yeah. So, um, all three of them were not just us. All three of them included major parts of the town that I live in, both affecting fiber and coax service, which took out large the coax outage took out large portions of the town um for up one of them was upwards of 12 hours fiber came back quicker um so it wasn't just us it, they hit a major distribution hub um about i guess 10 miles to our west that um the city that we live in the, the city building itself the neighboring city their fire departments and police departments didn't have internet or phone they were doing 911 dispatch over uh, C over radios from the county dispatch. Um, it was a, it was a disaster. So I was talking with one of our assistant superintendents, and they had made the comment that now the city is looking into redundant internet connections as well to prevent something like this from happening. And in my in our situation is a little bit difficult too because we have fiber coming in from one carrier. Well, that one carrier has always been the provider for fiber service in our district so there are other carriers in our area that offer fiber service but they don't terminate in the building so one year for e-rate we had a bid out for new new fiber service and one of the competitors came back and said yeah we'll we'll drop it in but we need thirty thousand dollars of construction cost up front it's like well we can't afford that so i know if i go to that carrier now and say look this is going to be a redundant connection but i want fiber they're going to say yeah we want 30 grand up front and probably a 10-year five-year contract so that's one of the other reasons why I'm I'm looking at a cell service is one, it's it's mobile. So if we ever needed to take it somewhere else, if we had a tornado rip through town, 
we could take it down the street and kind of spin up some some basic service if we had to. Um, no, so yeah, I, I think I think you're onto something really great. The in terms of cellular being the future of backups. I mean, we're talking about burglar alarms, right? Um, fire alarms, all the things that we'd be switching pots lines over from. And now uh, cellular connections are able to process a lot more data. Now you're not going to be up and running like a normal connection, but it's there. And I think the great thing in your situation of this last week, and I'm not saying that this is great that you all had an outage, but that everyone was affected. <laughs> what What is difficult for us as schools is when just we're affected oh, sure. and it looks really bad. Um, because everybody's looking at us like, why, why aren't you guys operating? So yep. it, it's, it's definitely nice when there's more, more to the story. Um, but I also want to mention that I was thinking through this in terms of terminology, especially all of us listening, uh, who might be E-rate, uh, applicants is maybe the terminology should be resiliency. I think that's, um, the term yeah it rather it, than redundancy because e-rate does not like redundant connections um, nice nice try but... eric that's just a synonym <laughs> for redundancy well we we do have eric and i both know at least one person that is um that has a resilient connection that is getting e-rated um personally myself that's still a little gray for me and that's mm -hmm. that's yet another reason why that i'm looking at cellular because both of these cellular providers that have that I've talked to this week, one was 40 bucks a month, one was 50 bucks a month. And when I told my superintendent that she's like, seriously, 50 bucks a month for 300 meg service. I'm like, eh, yeah, but it's cell. So it's, you know, it's not like the, the resiliency of fiber, you know, and it's not synchronous. It's not up and down. It's only going to be about five, three to 500 meg down and probably 10 to 20 to 30 meg up. So, um, yeah, there was some disbelief in that, but it, it makes a lot of sense. It checks a lot of boxes. Um, I think you have to demonstrate that, that if you're bringing in a separate separate line or a secondary line, you have to show that that is a necessary yes. line. So like mm -hmm. it has to be used. It you know it maybe like spillover bandwidth, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. But I right. don't think you can install a, a dark line and then e-rate yep. it. Yeah, yep, you, you for just, sure. The lawyers just came and visited you, didn't they, Mark? <laughs> Uh, no, but you are right. You have to demonstrate there is a need. And um, and again, it's one of those things that it might, if you try to file for E-rate for it, it, it might get denied. So don't don't hold your breath on that. I, I definitely wouldn't. Um, yeah, that's been an interesting week. Quickly, let's talk about someone that I almost called over this. Once I figured out that it was not our fault, though I didn't need to call him. Um, I almost called Dominic with Extreme Networks to say, hey, we're having this extreme, this weird anomaly going on. Can you help me out? But once we figured out it wasn't localized to our network, I didn't need to call Dominic at Extreme Networks. But if you are in the market for a resilient physical network or a resilient wireless network, did you know they provided the Wi-Fi for the Super Bowl? And I have read some reports that it was screaming fast and they have some amazing metrics to talk about how much data they, they passed over their access points and over their, their connections at the Super Bowl. That was Extreme Networks providing that network. So email Dominic Mayer. His email address is dmayer, M-A-Y-E-R, at extremenetworks.com. Tell him you heard about Extreme Networks from this podcast, and uh, maybe he'll, he'll give us something special. 
So yeah, give give Dominic an email if you are in the market for extreme networks. Quite a few MLB stadiums yeah. uh, have their wireless provided by them. Um, one near Josh and me, I believe, has an extreme network in it. And uh, a stadium Wi-Fi, whenever I get to sit down with these guys, I love to talk about it because it's just fascinating to me how they can make something like that work with 50, 60, 70,000 people. Yeah, I know um, I was told at one time that where the St. Louis Blues play, they provide the uh, infrastructure for all of the AV network stuff. So all of the cameras and all of the big displays and stuff, those are supposedly at the time. Now, this was five, six, seven years ago. That was all running on extreme networks, uh, physical switching. So I assume that's still the case. Um, did you guys see SZA's new uh, cybersecurity recommendations for K-12? I think it came out this week, um, and it's been getting some press on edtechmagazine.com. I sent it. Now, was this SZA or White House? Uh, one or the other or both, maybe. I, Eric, why do you have to ask the hard questions like that? <laughs> Jeez, Eric. Um, but high and low of it, they came out with uh, three three main um, things you should really focus on. One of them being MFA, and I know that's Chris's favorite catchphrase, it seems like, at the end of every episode. Um, and I think that's kind of become the rally cry for a lot of this stuff. I know um, I follow director Jen Easterly on Twitter. She's the director of CISA, and almost if not weekly, every other day, she's making a, a Twitter post or a tweet, I guess is what it, the kids call it, um, about MFA and how it protects you and it can protect or prevent up to like 98% of hacks. Um, so that's that's become a rally cry. People have definitely heard about it or are used to hearing about it. Um, but one of the other ones was obviously patch management, which, okay, you know, not everybody's great about patch management. And then the final one, and this is something we can maybe chat, chat a little bit about, is having your user base and your users understand that it's not just an IT problem. And I think we're trying to accomplish that at my district with doing these phishing exercises and uh, sharing stories of other districts being attacked. Um, but I don't, I, at times I wonder if it's really sinking in. What are, what are you guys doing? What do you feel that's working to help folks understand that it's not just an IT problem, that it's the responsibility of everybody? What, what's your two cents on that? Eric, this one's yours first. <laughs> uh, okay. So we just had a cyber audit done. And, um, by who? I think, um, it was not our consortium okay, okay. Uh, and not a, not a sponsor. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, but it, it was really good to work back through all of those pieces. And when we got to the um, IR and DR plans, the big thing was to involve other stakeholders from leadership. And the great thing about doing a cyber audit is that you can then turn that back over to your board and close session and also talk to your superintendent or your leadership to, to outline the things that are risks or problems to bring them into the fold in terms of how they need to be involved. And also, I think you guys have talked about this on the pod, um, but the fact that bonds are now becoming dependent upon, or your bond ratings can be, are looking to become dependent upon your, your cybersecurity, um, insurability, all of these things start to weigh heavy on your superintendent's mind. 
And I think that is a big thing for me wanting to push forward with that. And then in terms of the IR and DR plans, making sure that everyone is involved because it's not just an IT problem in terms of if the internet goes down. It is a student safety problem. It is a parental communication problem. There, it, it just, it's all reaching. I agree. Yeah, I, I think agreeing with those, and I think I can also add my approach really has been, and this is just, this goes for at work and outside of work is really trying to make sure that people understand how real these threats are. These are not things that you're seeing on the news. This is happening to our friends, to our neighbors, our family members. Um, and so when an incident does occur, um, either locally or nationally, I really want to make sure that people understand that this is very real. And then I also, this is why I, you know, I was drawn to this podcast at the beginning when you started to do the ransomware stuff was I wanted to know how this happened. I like telling that story of here's how a school district fell or was hit and how it happened and then tie that back to, and this can happen to us for all the same reasons. Um, so I really, I try to make things as practical as I possibly can and, and realistic without, without being that kind of scare tactic kind of person. I, I never want to be that person who's just going to cry wolf because then people stop listening to me. Um, so I, you know, I do want to walk the line of showing everybody, showing the community how real these issues are and how, how damaging these things can be without coming across as the guy who cries wolf the whole time. And then people let mm -hmm. their guard down and then let the wolf in. So it's a, it is a balance. I think it really comes down to establishing relationships with the people that, that, that can elevate that, that issue and, and elevate the, the need. Um, but making sure that everybody in the organization understands that they play a part in it. Easier said than done, though. It's I funny. think we we as techs have the, the tendency of shooting too far over people's heads. And I think what you bring up, Mark, is a great point that we've not not to say to dumb it down, but boil it down to the most important things that are most affecting us on a day-to-day -day basis and that's student data privacy learning and uh, our individual employees privacy i so it's interesting you bring up student data privacy that i was in a pretty good fight i fights the wrong word but going back and forth with a vendor today about a student data privacy agreement and it's i really think the districts that haven't jumped on the student data privacy bandwagon yet i think you're going to be behind the eight ball before too long, because as more and more states adopt a uh, parent's bill of rights and, or if it becomes a national um, adoption for a parent bill of rights nationally, I think one of the things that you're going to see in that bill will be a huge focus on student data privacy. And if your state is already a member of the A4L uh, consortium or the student data privacy consortium, you really need to kind of start dipping your toe into that and understanding what that means and what you need to do to vet resources. Um, because after contracts are signed, it's a little too late. You've, you've lost your carrot in, in getting a vendor to sign that student data privacy agreement. You know, if you can hold that agreement over them and say, look, we're not signing this contract for service until you sign this student data privacy agreement. It's a much easier conversation to have. Um, you have a little bit more carrot and stick in the, in that scenario. Eric, it's interesting you mentioned that you just had a cybersecurity survey done. I, I just had one as well um, about a week and a half ago from our friends at Mornet. Kathy came out and uh, 
Kathy and I both like to talk way too much. So it went on for way too long because Kathy and I talk a lot. Uh, but it was really good. She gave me a great report. Um, she, I, she made me mad because I got a 49.75 on the report, which is very good. And 50 was excellent. So I was, point two, I was a quarter of a point away from getting excellent. And I'm like, Kathy, you could have thrown me the 0.25, man. Come on. <laughs> So, so is this a scale of 50? No, it was a scale. Here it wasn't it 100. It wasn't. No, 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 no. It, was, <laughs> it wasn't 100. Uh, but it, no, it was not a scale of 50. No, I want to say it was like maybe 75. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look at it. But it it had very good data. It And theirs was more policy and procedure based. You know, do you have a policy for this? Do you have a procedure for this? Um, you know, what's your password policy? What's your MFA policy? That kind of stuff. Now, it was not a deep dive like pen test type engagement by any means. Um, we're going to do that later. So it, it, I think it's it's interesting to get those two different aspects of your posture because it, you, you, you know, you do need to have the defenses, but you also need to have those policies in writing or somewhere documented right. that this is why we do this. Um, and getting back to your comment about the incident response plans, with our internet going down, that's one of the first things that I whipped out. I had to get our, our incident response plan out and get the phone number to call our provider with our, our carrier or our circuit ID on it. And this is like the mm -hmm. fifth time in the last year that I've had to get out my incident response plan because it has my circuit ID on it. It's like I, I did not realize how many times in the past that I've had to go searching for my stupid circuit ID when now I've got it in this document. It's so easy. It's it's easy to reach and find. And uh, we had a little debrief with the guys in my office afterwards. I'm like, because I took off on uh, Monday. I wasn't in the office and the Internet was down literally all day Monday. And uh, my guys text me about halfway through the day. They're like, oh, we assume you know the Internet's down. I'm like, yes, I know the Internet's down. I've been working on it since like 6 o'clock this morning. So I came in Tuesday morning, and I'm like, hey, guys, if uh, I couldn't have been gotten a hold of and the Internet was down, what would you have done? And they're kind of hemming and hawing and looking around. I'm like, well, we'd have called around to other places and seen if they had the Internet. I'm like, yeah, okay. I said, is there is there a document somewhere that you could have looked at for support numbers to call? Or like, oh, yeah, that, that book in the computer room. Yes, the book in the computer room. Go grab the book on the computer. So we stepped through the – we, we kind of did a, a hot wash, if you will, or tabletop exercise of, of what had just happened. It's like, okay, if I can't be reached and this happens – Go grab this book, flip to this page. It's all right here. So it was good. It, it, it's good to kind of look back at that. And it's just funny that I wasn't in the office and they had to spend the entire day in the office with that internet. They're like, we almost went home. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure you, you did almost go home. <laughs> now, worst case scenario for all you technicians out there who uh, are going to walk back into to, to your work tomorrow and the internet's down, at least know what building your internet comes into and know yeah. the address of it. <laughs> yeah, because exactly. Because that can save you in a lot of situations because I did it this week and I had no idea what my circuit ID is. It is written down somewhere, but I got on the phone and uh, made them page through it until they found our address. So it's possible. Interesting. I, th I think getting getting documentation is the first part of the battle, but getting the documentation to the point where somebody else can pick it up and use it. Yep. That's mm -hmm. that's the key. Yep. Because I know what all these things mean. I know who all these people are and these numbers are. Right. But if my guys pick it up and have no clue what any of it means, yeah, it's it's yeah. just as useless as not having it. No, that's a great point, Mark. And, and dry running it. 
you know, walk in on a random Tuesday afternoon and say, okay, guess what? The internet just went, went down. What are you guys going to do? Um, yeah, no, I, you have to, you have to tabletop it or, or dry run it. This is a shout out to, um, Black Hills and those incident response decks. Those are a lot of fun, uh, to be able to roll through those with your team, maybe at a, a lunch on a Friday or something like that. Uh, Mark, I am curious. Do you guys do cyber audits there from external uh, personnel, or is that something uh, you well, under wraps? You, you, no, that's one of the things that's under wraps. I don't, I don't provide sort of like, uh, how do I say this? I don't want to say confidential, but I don't provide anything yeah. that uh, on, yeah. on the on the public area. But uh, I could definitely say that it's a it's a very high priority of ours. That's good. Yep. So, uh, one of our other sponsors, Provision Data Solutions, uh, Chris wrote this, they can take your department wherever you want to go. Speaking of wherever you want to go, Eric, the intern, which I, Eric, I don't know that I like calling you the intern. I think that Chris needs, uh, he, I don't know why he picked that. Eric and Chris. Are you the one who picked it? Shh, Eric and Chris will be at, at COSIN uh, next week, right? Yeah. So if you if Mark, you're listening to this and you're Josh, going to Cosin, uh, make sure to find Eric and and Chris. Why aren't you guys coming? We have to work. Someone has to work, Eric. Yeah, I got things to do, Eric. Oh, and come on. You cannot take this tone, Eric. You're only the intern. Um, so <laughs> Listen, if okay, I thought you just said we were going to ditch that. Like, no, well, no, I we're going to use it to our advantage. Um, I'm no longer a peer. I I thought I was elevated to. No. Peer level, and now I'm relegated. Josh so, said we were firing the intern tonight. Is this where where that? Not <laughs> yet. Sue was coming back Stu. to do that. Um, oh, my phone's ringing. It's Sue. <laughs> <laughs> um. So shoot, I forgot what I was. Oh, if you're listening and you're going to Cosin, uh, take sly pictures of Eric and Chris. We want to catch them doing silly things and tweet them at us, K12 Tech Talk Pod on Twitter. You can shoot us an email, too, if you don't want to tweet them or you don't have a Twitter's account, k12techtalk at gmail.com. Um, K12 so, TikTok? T you heard what I said. I said what no, I said. I, no, I, I say that because it's actually funny. I think in the outside world, it's perceived as TikTok because we had our security symposium last week, and the Wi-Fi wasn't working, and the hotel set it to K12 TikTok. Oh, that's funny. It was pretty funny. That's I liked funny. It. We're not we're not uh, in the pocket of the Chinese government, though. Um, so let's see what else do we have to talk about. So we mentioned this earlier. Um, before we do that, Eric, do you want to quickly tell us about the K twelve Tech Pro website? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so. Um, First, thank you for the, the shout out about COSIN. Uh, a lot of vendors reaching out to us, uh, people. I'm looking forward to seeing everyone there. Second, if you haven't joined us on the community, a12techpro.com, click the community tab. We are building a great community for you. And uh, this is a fully vetted community. Currently, Chris is sitting behind a computer vetting people. And that's why, well, apart from Sue, putting him on leave, but he is also vetting people diligently right now at this very moment. And um, the great thing also is if you're a director, we've got places for directors in there. That's vetted community within there. Um, it's 
it's just already taking off within the last week. I think we had 140 members last I checked. Wow. And we had states from Washington State to New York. We had Pennsylvania, California. We've got all kinds of people coming in there and just wanted everyone to know that it is a, a safer place to talk about the issues in K-12 tech. And um, y'all are a fun community, so it's it's fun to be in that with y'all. So Yeah, the, the Missouri, they have it as a water cooler is kind of a, a real-time chat stream in there. Uh, the Missouri water cooler is uh, rather active and can be kind of snarky at times. So if you come in there, just know that we all know each other very well, and we all know each other's kind of buttons to push. So um, you might you might find that room rather entertaining if you want to laugh. Um, Drop in there. And yeah. if you see pictures of Josh everywhere, that's everyone just having a good time with Josh. Yeah, they're they're pushing my buttons. Everyone has changed their profile picture to a picture of me. Um, so yeah, k12techpro.com, click the community button and uh, give it a register. It might take, a, what do you think, upwards of a day to get vetted and to get an email, confirmation email giving you access. I don't know. It depends on how many energy drinks Chris has had. No, that's true. Um, but the idea behind that is to have some some information that is behind a door, more or less, not like other websites or services that are um, you can view pretty easily without any sort of uh, barrier. So yeah. it's we got... legitimately vetted by a human. So it, yes. it's not just a process of entering your email. So yeah, it's Chris. Yep. Um, so we talked about this at the beginning of the episode. This is the. Uh, third anniversary of the week the world shut down for COVID. Um, we talked about a little bit. Of, I saw the the Facebook memory of my district and the neighboring district sending out a, a the same Facebook post about shutting down for three weeks because the health department, yada, yada, yada. Um, and this kind of gets into what we've been wanting to talk about for a couple weeks now. We had a, a listener email about how things have changed since COVID for our districts. And Mark, you this was kind of one of the the projects that you were wanting to talk about as well, just how COVID has changed instruction, both uh, from a technical standpoint and how it's changed IT departments um, from a process and procedure standpoint. And Eric, I think you guys went through some pretty significant changes mm-hmm. um, due to COVID. So if you guys want to want to talk about this or introduce this, go for it. Yeah, I mean, I could I, I could spend the entire episode talking about like what we went through and uh, and all the challenges. And it was it, it was a both a traumatic and um, almost heartwarming experience, I guess you could say. You, 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 your entire world has been tossed upside down. You're, you're doing and rolling out initiatives and systems and devices that you would love to have two to three years to plan out, and you got to plan them out and, and roll them out in a matter of days. Um, and, uh, you know, within our district, we went through uh, a heck of a time getting devices out to students and I was thinking that was going to be the hard part. And then it just kept getting harder when it came time to coming back into the school. Um, so definitely, I, I mean, I have a lot of fond memories, a lot of traumatic memories. Um, it was like the best and worst part of my of my time in my career. Um, I would never want to go back, but at the same time, I really enjoyed um, thinking through all the different things and all the different ways that we grew and learned as a district. So. Um, Maybe not everybody has the same fond memories of it. And I won't say that. I wouldn't say that fond is the right way of, of describing it, but um, it is an unique. interesting time to think. Yeah, a unique time to think back uh, to of, of closing your district in a hurry, 
uh, and then having to come back and all the new things that have happened and all the changes that have happened as a result and all that all that has to combine into your school. So very, very interesting time period. It's it's so hard to think that that was three years ago. So I think interesting, unique, um, really captures what it COVID era. And when you when you mentioned that it had been three years almost to the day, I it was like a gut punch. I was like, holy cow, three years in some ways. And I don't mean this to sound cliche, but in some ways it really feels like a decade ago that that happened because there's just been so much that's happened since then. And in other ways, I feel like since we're going back to normal, so to speak, it feels like it never even happened. Um, so there's there's a lot there that's just kind of a mixed emotion for me in terms of, of how I feel. Um, I'm with you there, Mark. There's a lot of um, it, heartwarming is a good word for it. And when I was thinking about the, the question that Josh posed to me earlier today, I was kind of thinking through like, what kind of analogy could I write for this? And I, I walked into my upstairs, which is also the playroom in our house. And I was thinking through how when my wife and me uh, maybe cooking dinner or something, the kids come up here and it's, they come up here and it's out of pure necessity that we need to unleash them here. And then when we come back 10 minutes later, everything is destroyed. <laughs> it is all a mess. I promise I'm going somewhere with this. Guys. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> everything is destroyed. They've had a really great time, and I actually come up here and spend some time with them. Uh, but then I spend the next hour and a half cleaning it all up and putting everything back where it goes. And that's kind of how I feel about COVID. There there was a lot of just every man for himself, every application, whatever you need to get through COVID. And now we're at the moment in time that we're cleaning everything up. And it's crazy to think that it happened when it did, because had COVID happened 20 years earlier, 10 years earlier, we would not have been at the crux of this whole thing right. as school technician, school tech. But it happened when it did, and we were the very people who were holding it all together. So it's it's kind of incredible. And now we're also the people who are going back and picking up all of the toys, yeah. which are the applications that everybody's purchased. Uh, and I say purchase because they were free. So everybody got to use whatever they wanted. It was a mad grab for devices to make sure everybody was connected. And so, I mean, I we are even going back and being like, where is this inventory? Because we had so much going out just to make it happen. And so now things are kind of getting back to normal. It's in cleanup mode. Yeah. I, I, the playroom. One of my, I, I'm kind of like Mark. I I have very distinct memories of like, what in the hell are we doing? I'll never forget. We, I was, so there's a road, a city street that runs between two of our buildings. Our, our elementary school and our intermediate building are literally across the street from each other. It's a city street between them. I and my technician and a couple helpers were literally in the middle of the street, the yellow line that runs down the middle of the street we had Chromebook carts lined up on that line. <laughs> we had scissors and we were cutting zip ties out of the carts, pulling chargers out of the back of the cart while someone's pulling the Chromebook out of the front of the cart. And we had arranged that if you need a Chromebook, pull your car up to the front of the building, put your student's name on a piece of paper, put it in your windshield, 
we will write that name down and throw a Chromebook in your car and you drive away. Like, <laughs> I we no like seriously. Do we, I don't know who these kids are. Like, I remember thinking to myself many times that day, like, what are we doing? What will we ever? Will we ever see these devices back? And we we saw. I don't think we lost. I don't know five six devices through all of that. Like it. I'll never forget that, man. It just standing in the middle of the street on my hands and knees with a pair of scissors, cutting zip ties to get Chromebook chargers out of carts to throw them in cars as they drove by. Yeah. Wild. The logistics of the things that we did is incredible. I, I, I was thinking about how we were able to equip buses with Wi-Fi in rural community, send them out with food on them and teachers to places had no internet connection parked in a parking lot at a gas station and kids were literally lined up around the bus with their devices connecting to wi-fi getting help from teachers and getting food it unheard of like the things yeah. that we were able to pull off is is incredible and i i think when i look yeah. back and the fondness of those memories is that was some of my most creative moments and some of my department's most creative moments and and i hope that some way we can bring that back and continue to build on that yeah yeah it definitely was um uh, a, a moment where i think all of us grew um uh, in our ability to drink think think on the spot <laughs> drink at nighttime um there, there was one, and I have so many memories. And as you're talking, I'm going through all my photos from that time period as well. And it's just, I have really, really fond memories of hanging out at our loading dock uh, with all my technicians and and getting to know them on a personal level, um, and just seeing that these these guys are the only ones that never went home. Right? These are the they are the ones that yeah. Everybody else had a pandemic where you stayed at home, and then and and all of my guys. Um, on the on our Chromebook team did not go home ever. Yeah. Uh and and they never complained. They never complained. Uh because they really it, you were a part of something. Um there was one moment though and I and I've told this story to very very few people. Um cuz it is so heartbreaking. We were at a um a satellite location um distributing laptops. It was a really really cold and rainy day and the parking lot was empty. Nobody was there. Um, and uh, we see two young kids start walking towards us. And they're in shorts and flip-flops. And it was not the day to be in shorts and flip-flops. And um, we were in a predominantly Spanish-speaking neighborhood. So uh, one of my guys who spoke Spanish went up to them and talked and, and then came back. And they turned away and walked away as well. We're like, they don't want a Chromebook? What's going on? And he says, they thought we were giving out food. They already have a Chromebook. And it was heartbreaking that here we here we have two kids that like when you were when we were kids, like if somebody were to hand us a laptop, that would be amazing. Right. And now you've got these two students, very, very young elementary students who um, were alone in the rain uh, on a really cold day. And they were disappointed that we were handing out laptops. They thought we were handing out food. We wow. thought we were they thought we were a food distribution site. So. Um, needless to say, we did not let them leave, uh, empty handed. We, we made sure that they were taken care of. Um, but it was, that was also a really kind of sobering moment that, uh, there was a lot more, 
um, that districts did. And we weren't, you know, technology was a critical part of the rollout, but we weren't the only ones. And, and I think there's a lot of food service workers out there that probably have very similar memories, if not more difficult memories than, than we do. Because uh, our sure. food services were were working. Yeah, um, all ours were too. Yeah. 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 I, I If I can give a shout out right now, just to all the food service workers and school districts who went to extreme levels to make sure that their kids were fed. It's, it's amazing what they do um, to keep our kids with the proper nutrition on a day-to-day basis. And they love our kids. And I, that was evident to me throughout COVID. All right. Well, that was, um, this has been a really good episode. I think we've got some other plans to talk about COVID afterlife or after COVID life um, coming up. But uh, I think this was a really good start to get kind of neck deep into it all and kind of bring back those, those memories from three years ago. It's, it's, it, we were talking before we started recording. It's, it's really, really hard to believe that it's been three years since all of that went down, like that all started. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's wild to think. So coming up now, Chris and I did an interview with a, um, a teacher, that is using Visor. Visor has been with us for a few weeks now. Uh, Visor.cloud, V-I-Z-O-R.cloud. They are a Chromebook inventory and asset management tool. You will hear from her, and she's going to talk about how they went from using Google Sheets to keep track of their Chromebook inventory and warranties and moved to Visor Cloud and how that has streamlined their process. All right, so we've been hanging out with Visor for the last several weeks. Uh, Dean over at Visor and and we said Dean listen we think we know about Visor but we really don't know that much so he has brought to us Destiny how's it going Destiny pretty good uh, so Destiny works at a school district has one-to-one um, and Destiny has used Visor uh, so we're gonna unpack uh, for a few minutes here all about Visor and Destiny is gonna set the record straight so Destiny do you want to talk about yourself a little bit uh, maybe the size of your school and if you have one-to-one and what that's with, that kind of thing? Yeah. Um, so I am a high school math teacher. Um, I teach at a um, charter school in Ohio. Um, we have about 600 students. We are grades 7 through 12. Um, and like I said, we're kind of an art-based school. So especially recently, we've been getting into like digital art and things like that. Um, our high school is one-to-one, but our middle school uses um, Chromebook carts still. Um, And then we have a bunch of like Mac desktops upstairs. We have a bunch of iPads for students to do like digital design on and things. Um, And so Visor is pretty much how we keep track of like all of that. Okay. Uh, So really it's safe to say it's it's your inventory application or your gatekeeper for that. Okay. One-to-one wise, um, how does Visor help you kind of track who has what uh, tracking down or do you track uh, the number of spare devices a student checks out, that kind of stuff. Yes. So Visor has been really helpful in terms of like, you know, kids are forgetful. They leave stuff places. And so instead of being like, I don't know whose Chromebook this is um, or like trying to check in like, okay, who logged in last? Maybe it's like a computer classroom or something. Um, you can kind of just look up the tag number in it. We have our own asset tags that you can like input that number in Visor. And so I'll just look that up really quick and be like, oh, it's so-and-so's computer Um, I'll make sure to give it back to them, like, you know, at the end of the day, or if they like stop by and ask for their computer or something. All right. Um, so what do I assume visor supports 
the like barcode scanning and stuff like that. So yes. how how easy is it to inventory and like if you wanted to do a mass inventory of things, how easy is it for you guys to do that? Really easy. I set up all of the middle school Chromebook cards in about thirty minutes and we have like five or six of those and thirty computers in each. Awesome. Okay. And it was easy for me to just like barcode scan, boop, 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 check them out to whatever middle school teacher they were going to like, whoever's classroom they were going to live in. And then now if like an individual student needs to check them out, teacher can just click, assign it to a new person, be done. Interesting that you're having the teacher do, the teacher do that instead of a library. That, that's interesting. So, hey, Josh, can can you, go ahead. Josh, can you make Sorry. that noise that she made? Boop, 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 boop. What? Um, I can actually speak to that a little bit. One of the reasons we want advisors, like I want advisor is because um, we don't have a library. So we don't have a librarian and you are talking to the entire tech department of the school I work at. Nice. It's just me. And I also teach math full time. Oh, wow. Yes. So we needed something that kind of helped us spread out a little bit instead of like something like that would be really great for like one tech team something that was like great for you know tracking tech and for our tech team me but also something that was easy for like teachers to kind of use as well um just so that way like we can keep things running and they don't have to like go through one person who's also like teaching a class interesting so how, how does it help you keep track of repairs and stuff then um, so if a device goes out for repair, I just like, um, will click like, again, look up by the asset tag, click in repair, click what's wrong with it or whatever. Um, and then we have a company that actually like will come in and like pick them up and fix them and bring them back and stuff. But that way I can kind of log how many we have out at the time. Um, and so especially when we get around like state testing and stuff, I can kind of keep track of that and be like, okay, if we need some extras for state testing, like we don't have any right now, like we need to kind of, you know. Yeah. talk with our company, figure that out. Interesting. So you have a third-party repair company that's coming in. Do they do they have access to Visor at all? Do you let them have access to Visor, or is that a, a relationship yeah, between the jobs? They have access to Visor um, just a little bit um, in terms of, like, when we order new Chromebooks from them, they will go ahead and, um, like, throw them, like, into Visor and stuff so they're, like, preloaded and ready to go, and all I have to oh, do well. is like, check them out to where they need to go. That's awesome. Yeah. So compare using Visor to using Google Sheets or Excel spreadsheets. I assume that's what you did before. Yes. Um, compare compare that life of management from before pre-Visor and, and post-Visor. Visor definitely allows you to like, like it encompasses more than just like a spreadsheet because like before if like a Chromebook like switched out from a student or something then the teacher would go to the spreadsheet and switch it out and stuff but then um it would also be like if the teacher forgot to or something or they got busy um with visor i can kind of see who last logged in so i can see if like oh this student's actually using this chromebook now and i'll run that like once a week or so um as well you're able to do we have like a help desk on there and that's how all of our like technology help desk requests um come through for me Um, which means I can kind of track them by order of priority instead of just having an endless amount of emails or like constantly checking an Excel sheet to see if somebody like typed something in. So when, when you first started using Visor, how, 
was the import process pretty good as far as getting those devices off of whatever sheet you had them on before and getting them into visor? How was that a pretty seamless process? Yeah. So it was a little bit tricky at first just because like I obviously am a math teacher. I didn't like go to school for like technology stuff. Um, I just sure. kind of picked it up along the way. Um, so it was a little bit confusing to me just because it's a little more of that back end like technical stuff. Um, and like it's a little bit of a weird system to get used to right off the bat. Um, but once I figured out like the formatting, like because you can just upload a file. So I can go from my Google admin, which has all of our Chromebooks logged with their serial numbers and everything. And then, sorry. Um, and then like export that, make sure it's in the correct formatting and upload it. And it's good to go by probably an hour or two later. That's awesome. Yeah. So how has support with Visor been from a, like a how-to or do you have issue, if you had an issue with the web interface, how, how has support um, support's been wonderful. Um, I've talked with uh, a couple of people and anytime I have an issue, um, I can send an email and they're pretty good about responding and stuff and being like, hey, this is what you have to do. Um, and they're also really great about being like, we can do this for you or we can walk you through how to do it or both. Like it. And oh. yeah, someone who's trying to learn more tech stuff, that is so helpful. That's interesting. Chris, you got any other questions i was going to say is there any i mean there there are different products out there i guess that do things similar to visor um why did you land on visor is there anything that we've missed that makes visor stick out you know in 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 the crowd um i would say i'm i'm not too familiar with maybe the other programs that are out there i would say visor was very budget friendly for us um, okay. which was really nice because we have had to do a lot of technological improvements um, over the past little bit. Um, and just like kind of the versatility of like how you can change Visor, um, like I can kind of customize it to be anything I need um, in terms of I can make it so that when a student logs in, like that Chromebook is automatically assigned to them and then I can turn that off. Um, so the start of the year, I don't have to go through and be like, okay, who has what Chromebook? I just turn that on for a week and then the end of the week, turn it off. And then like, it's already set up for me. Um, there's a lot of different, like, um, you can, you know, keep track of repairs on there. You can keep track of help desk tickets on there. Um, it's just really versatile, um, awesome. for like, you know, a school that has, you know, one tech person and not a tech department and <laughs> we can just kind of keep it all right there. <laughs> Well, I guess speaking of the price, uh, and we can kind of wrap it up with this. Uh, if you're listening and you want to check out Visor, you can go to Visor, and that's V-I-Z-O-R dot cloud slash K-12 Tech Talk. And supposedly, and Destiny, maybe you should hit up uh, Visor about this. Um, they're giving like up to 20% off if you go through that link. So Destiny, maybe we can get you a discount on your stuff as well after you do this episode with us. Yep. We actually brought a discount because I saw them um, present at a conference. Okay. Okay. Cool. Who says you can't get two discounts? That's, right. that's what I'd be going for. I want I'll talk to Dean and be like, all right, now we get two 20% offs, right? Yeah. Are they? Yeah. <laughs> and we, I think we need to squash this rumor too. Do they give you a visor when you sign up with visor? 
I have not received a visor, so if they do, I'm going to be really sad. <laughs> okay. We keep coming up with all these wonderful marketing ideas for companies, and they just don't appreciate them. <laughs> well, and even when they go to conferences, like they have the little tables, they have the little pins and stuff, have little visors. That'd be so unique. Yeah. It's unbelievable. <laughs> We're full of good ideas, but I don't We are full of good ideas. Destiny, we appreciate you joining us. Thanks for your time today. Absolutely. Absolutely.